Here's how you become a savings catcher, diva, or don. Step one, download the Walmart app and use the savings catcher. Step two, enter your Walmart receipt. Step three, savings catcher compares prices of eligible items at Walmart. Step four, if it finds a lower advertised price by a leading store in your area, it will give you the difference on an e-gift card in a few days. Step five, do a two-step. You're in. Saving money in every penny counts. Save with savings catcher from Walmart. Comparison on eligible products only. Restrictions apply. Visit walmart.com slash savings catcher for details. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Gene the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Falling Skies on After Buzz. I am not your host, Phil Zvitek. He is uh, out today. So, and you know, kind of like we just... You guys are like Cochise and Shaq. You guys both I, can't be in the same shot exactly. together. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we have only one alien outfit between the two of us. So we have to alternate. Okay. So That's I right. was out last week. Now he's out. And, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm out next week. We don't know yet. <laughs> but who's the one person who seems to always be here because she's human is, uh, Roya. Hi, Roya. Hi. She's only human. You're just human. It's cool. I'll take it. I mean, Maggie's kind of, well, she used to be only human, but I'm going to relate used that, to be. So. She used to be only human. I'm trying Absolutely. to be a, a BA like her, okay? Yeah. Trying and also really welcome back to one of our producers, uh, Stephen Lemieux, who, who had a nice little vacay. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> and he's back and he's so happy to be here. Uh, so we're going to be uh, previewing the, uh, well, we're going to be recapping, not previewing. We're going to be recapping the uh, episode called Till Death Do Us Part. And it is uh, apparently the pre-ultimate mm-hmm. episode of the season. Uh, next week will be a two-hour finale. So I'm, I'm guessing it'll be two episodes packed back to back. That's usually the way they do it in TNT, in TNT land. Boom. TNTs. Yeah, that's the way they usually do it. So every every hour is usually a sustainable episode. So they're just going to air two episodes next week to finish off the season. But uh, let's start talking about this episode. Uh, we leave off pretty much with uh, with the uh, with the whole third mass still uh, around that rubble from the alien attack from the Shvetny attack two episodes ago, uh, and the discovery of these panels that lit up. That was the big. That was the big cliffhanger, I guess, from mm-hmm. last week. One of the big cliffhangers from last week's uh, show, that there are these panels that seem to light up and in relationship to the moon. So they discover that these are kind of like solar panels, but for the moon. So they're lunar lunar panels. Mm-hmm. So uh, ingenious, an ingenious invention, lunar panels. And I love uh, Kochi's reaction to when he finds out that what they've been looking for has mm-hmm. been there the entire time. Yes. And I... Pretty sure he cursed in a he cursed Volm in Volm. language, which yeah. I wish I could have a translation of it what kinda, he exactly said. I can't remember what the word was because it, but it sounded similar to it sounded Italian or something. I think <laughs> it was over. It sounded similar to a word in Italian. I can't remember what it was, but it was pretty funny that uh, this whole time when uh, the Volm were doing recon in the area, looking for this power source, looking to uh, figure out what's going, what's the Ashvenis plans, and this whole time it was over their heads, mm-hmm. as he said. So uh, very interesting. So they figured out that the energy source that the Volm are using uh, actually are coming is coming from the moon, very similar to uh, the situation with the uh, electric, fen- electric fence when uh, Tom and Hal and Pope and all of them were trapped in that ghetto camp. Uh, that the dirigible was uh, the power source for the fence. Mm-hmm. So it seems that the moon is a power source for just about all of the Ashveni bases, weapons, ships, beamers, everything that they have. Mechs, perhaps, too. Everything. I was like, are they going to blow up the moon? And Spalling Sky is really going to take it to the next level and blow up the moon. <laughs> well, you know, funny you should say that because pretty much Tom just says, you know, we're just going to have to go up to the moon. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have to go up there and take care of it. 
which sounds pretty darn ridiculous. And uh, he even starts uh, he even starts quoting because uh, it is Tom Mason, history professor. So he even starts quoting from JFK's famous speech about declaring uh, that they will send a man to the moon by the end of the 60s. Mm-hmm. So he started doing that, which is actually a very, very it's not a um, it's not as much of a well-known speech. I'm familiar with it, but uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with what was behind JFK's speech to send the man on the moon. He pretty much declared it. It was kind of like he, he didn't know that they could do it. He pretty much just declared that they, one day they would send a man to the moon. And and he declared it, they would do it by the end of the um, decade. Mm-hmm. And they did. But he pretty much declared from nothing that one day we'll send a man to the moon. And Tom Mason pretty much is doing the same thing. I mean... Due to our own history, we haven't had a man land on the moon in years. And after, of course, uh, the alien attack, it seems like they, you know, the earthlings in that, in that world haven't really sent a man to the moon. But here we are. We're going to send a man to the moon. Yeah. We're going to send a whole group to the moon and, and, uh, go to this moon base and shut it down. Simple as that. So yeah. Anne, of course, thinks he's crazy. Especially when Tom goes, I thought he was, I felt as though he was actually talking to me. JFK was talking to me when he said that. <laughs> that could make him a little bit more crazy. Yeah, it could make him a little more crazy, considering uh, JFK passed away in the uh, early 60s. Yeah. I don't think Tom, I don't know if Tom's that old. Maybe he knew I don't about think he's his 50s. Funny ahead of time. Maybe, we'll never maybe, know. maybe he knew about his funny. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, so, uh, you know, they, they're trying to figure out of a way to get up there, but actually, he comes up with the brilliant idea of stealing a beamer or getting a beamer somehow. And, uh, Kochi says that's not, it's not a terrible idea. It's not a, it's not as crazy as it sounds. They could actually get one. And it turns out based on last week's episode, when we saw Tom, uh, buried with Ingon in that, uh, you know, they were pretty much in a beamer. There's mm-hmm. a beamer buried underneath them under all this rubble. So, uh, so it seems like, they have a plan in place, and then of course, Cochise brings up that this happens to be a weapons cache, a Volm's weapon cache nearby that he never brought up before. Yeah. And Tom's even like, "Why, you know, if it's so close, why are we, why are you telling us now? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you tell us this like three when episodes we were fight again? The gen- yeah. Yeah, yeah, three episodes ago when we were about to like, you know, we had this overlord chasing my <laughs> butt because I burned him, and uh, he's really, really pissed off. So why didn't you tell me that?" So apparently it was, <laughs> it was too dangerous then and now the Ashveni have backed off a little bit so it seems to be safe which of course famous last words right minimal risk famous last words so uh so we know it's probably not going to be all that easy but anyway so Tom sends uh Ningan he he keeps Ningan over with uh with Shaq to work on uncovering the beamer and everyone else uh from third mass that isn't going to the Volm cache is helping out including Maggie the the new superhuman spiked Maggie mm-hmm. harnessed Maggie semi harnessed Maggie harnessed kind of to Ben yeah uh, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit we'll get into Maggie a little bit later let's let's continue I would say uh, for the purpose of this actually you know what I want to say too uh, the name of this because I want to bring this up because it's going to definitely come uh, to play with a lot of couplings a lot of relationships in this episode. But the name of this episode is Till Death Do Us Part, which is, of course, a line that people uh, are very familiar with in weddings. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it seems like every couple in Falling Skies had a moment, like a major moment this episode. So even before we go on this trip, Anne is already freaking out with Tom, thinking Tom is crazy. Yeah. For thinking about, let's go to the moon. Let's just go, you know, to the moon, Alice. As the honeymooners would say, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know they had a and they had a really good scene before they even went to the Volm uh, cache, where I really liked this, where where Tom said uh, to Anne, "You get to have faith, and I get to be the realist." Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I don't have hope. I have hope, but faith is your department. So I thought it was a really really interesting uh, scene. And really well written on both uh, sides for Anne's character, for for uh, Moon Bloodgood's character and Noah Wiley's character for Anne and Tom. Uh, a really good talk about their their relationship and and the way they see things more or less. Yeah, it was kind of a way to get rid of the elephant in the room mm-hmm. because Lexi 
is a huge topic, and Anne wants to go after Lexi, yes. but can't believe that Lexi's the way she is. And mm-hmm. then Tom's like, no, i got to protect my people. So it's a good explanation of them knowing what each other really are. Absolutely. We can't, we can't overlook, we, we don't, we don't get to see Lexi in this episode at all, but there still is that, that specter of Lexi hanging over them mm-hmm. about if they did the right thing and should they go after Lexi or not, especially after Ben came back and said Lexi is gone. She's, she's, she's turned and she's not coming back. So of course Anne wants to go and get Lexi, but, uh, Tom says no. Because Tom doesn't want to put anyone else at risk. But then again, Tom wants to go to the moon, (laughs) which kind of puts everybody at risk. Tom wants to go to the moon. Not everybody. Tom Tom, gets to the moon. I don't think he meant everybody is going to be on the ship. Well, hey guys, field trip to the moon. Tom's going to need a few people, I think, with him at least. I don't think Tom can just go to the moon on his own. He's going to need a small crew. And of course, Anne will volunteer to be in that crew. And it'll probably all the Masons will (laughs) want to be on that crew. Yeah. All all the main characters they in Falling Skies someone, will be on that crew most likely. But they gotta bring someone Except else that's Pope. not a main character that will die. A red shirt. Yes, they gotta bring exactly. a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and Pope probably won't go just because he'll be bitching and complaining and he'll uh, you know, he'll stay and mm-hmm. you know gets motion sickness. And, whatever and it is. He'll yeah. stay or deal with Sarah. That more on that later, of course. But uh again, really, really interesting scene. And uh of course, you know, this is Anne. Anne's been a pretty, you know, rough and tumble soldier so she's going to go to the volm cache even though it's minimal minimal danger so she's going to go along too but she's ready to you know start packing her guns and just go along with tom i thought that was interesting that she was able to go you would think tom would be like no let's stay here one of us has to stay and keep yeah. charge well especially since Anne thinks the idea is crazy to begin mm-hmm. with but and wants to stick with tom and make sure everything's okay I, you know don't forget she thought she lost him last week you know, they couldn't find him for the longest time, so she sure. thought he sacrificed himself. So I could see, I could see her wanting to stay by Tom for, uh, based on that reason. That's fair. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll, for the purpose of, of, uh, the recap, we're gonna follow along the, the main storyline, which is, uh, I, I think, which is, uh, which is Tom and Cochise and Matt and Anne and Weaver all going to the Volmcash. Because uh, we have a returning character mm-hmm. who happens to show up. First of all, we, we notice that uh, there are some toxic levels associated with the Volm uh, cash. When Weaver started coughing, I thought it had to do with something when he touched the Lexi's. I thought it did too. Weaver, Weaver, at times they seem to show, you know, his age, mm-hmm. his heart condition. They haven't really touched on they... his heart condition this season at all. Mm-mm. But even the the hand thing, I kind of thought was something. There was something there until so... Anne started coughing. You're like, oh, okay, I guess there's something in the air. Yeah, you know, and they both it, just have the coughs. Ironically, at the it, same it's time. it's funny about Weaver's. Uh, Various conditions because it seems like inconsistent at times mm-hmm. with, uh, with, I don't know what the writers are trying to create with Weaver, but sometimes I think, you know, they just reminds us that he's old and he may be expend, and he may be expendable mm-hmm. when you think about it in comparison. I mean, there's a good relationship he has with, with the Masons in general. Especially he, Matt. But, uh, but yeah, but he's kind of expendable at times. And I think every time he coughs, every time he says, ow, <laughs> Every time he slows down, Get a there's worried. always a little, there's always a little thought in my head that says, I don't think Weaver's gonna last much longer, but he's lasted so far. He's lasted this long. So, I don't think he's gonna go anywhere. Okay, let's hope. Yeah, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, so exactly, so, Cochise mentions that there are some toxic levels, some patches of toxic levels, uh, around the area. And he just conveniently, kinda like, uh, packing a lunch, just has, uh, has a bunch of masks. In Matt's buff, duffel bag yeah. that he takes out, and they all have these these masks. And then, of course, they run into Mira, who, if for those of you who don't remember, I'm sure we all do, she was uh, she was over in the Nazi type camp, yep. <laughs> the New Patriots camp mm-hmm. that Matt was sent to after the the opening of this season. And uh, she's coughing. She's she's all dirtied up, and uh, she talks about escaping. My first thought, though, when I saw her running down, like, Matt, is that you? I was like, don't, no, don't go to her. It's a trap. Don't do it. You heard me in the room. Like, what the heck is going on? And, you know, it's funny because I I predicted a couple of weeks ago when Matt left her that she would probably end up turning. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 it's, it's, you know, this is a family drama and it's Spielberg. I'm sure she's okay. (laughs) I'm sure she really escaped. 
I forgot my I forgot my prediction. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that invalidates my prediction from a few weeks ago because technically I was right. But here I am watching this episode. And I forgot about it until afterwards. But uh, yeah, actually, actually uh, she is uh, giving a little sob story. She's saying all the right things. She's saying that she's escaped. That she did exactly what ben, uh, what Ben told her. No, I'm sorry, Matt, uh, Matt told her to do, which was uh, to uh, to pretend mm-hmm. until she found a way to get away. And Tom, no, you know, Tom being very smart and uh, he decides not to trust her, uh, whether it's because he doesn't believe her story. She's acting weird. He's a realist. So he, you know, they're on this mission to get all this equipment that you're going to need for the Beamer. Did you notice Anne's face, though, when Miriam was saying the story like, oh, I got to get on everybody's side. Like they teach you to get on people's sides. Yeah. Anne's like, I'm not buying what you're selling. Mm. I don't believe you. She even had that look in her eyes. Well, Anne's incredible. I mean, Anne is incredibly distrustful. Don't forget that Ben, she considers uh, Matt. I'm going to keep saying Ben, but I meant Matt. Uh, apologies for that. She's going to keep saying, she's going to, you know, she, Matt's her son for right. all intents and purposes. So she's very, being very protective as over. Protective as in this girl could be a traitor or protective like, oh, she's got my son's heart. I think traitor. Okay. But I also think heart too. I also think, you know. Really? I didn't get that out of the scene. I just thought it was more traitor. Well, you I know what? what I, I would say, well, it's more traitor, but later on in the episode when, when they're having that heart to heart with Matt. You know, mm. Matt's having the heart to heart about the fact that he has, he kind of likes her, you yeah. know, with, with his, you know, with Tom. Down, yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of think there's a little bit of that there too. But I think Anne thinks, you know, we can't trust her. There's too much on the line right now, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. So of course, Tom ties her up and, uh, you're sit, you're, you're all happy about that till, till Matt goes back. Yeah. And they should have searched her. Why didn't they search her? They should have searched her. They should. They shouldn't have just trusted. She said she threw the whistle away. So why don't you just make sure? That, but even even then, they mentioned that the whistle would call beamers. So I kind of figured that there, that this whistle was going to be very very important later on in the episode. Oh really? I just thought she no, was a traitor. That was the whistle was a symbol. Well, of I just trading, figured. But I, I just figured when she said the whistle, I, I you know even though she said she threw it away, when they just mentioned the whole description of the whistle being able to call beamers over, I figured okay. That was a thick whistle to hide in your shoe. That was a thick whistle. And to be hide in running in it, that that's impressive. I know it was absolutely. And uh, I kind of want to try that. See if I can put that. In you want to stick a whistle in your shoe? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good. But sounds- whatever it turns you on. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So yes. <laughs> anyway, so what do you think about? <laughs> so so what do you think about Matt coming back over to? Uh, to Mira and Mira being all like, oh, these ropes hurt my wrists. They're cutting in. I had to applaud her for being able to, con- not convince, but do that like, oh, help me. Yeah. Help me, man. I need you. Be a man. Mm. That kind of thing. Playing on his feelings. Yeah. So good for her in that sense of being a strong, strong woman for her age, girl for her age. But <laughs> definitely from my perspective, I knew she was manipulating him right she away. She was. But you know what, Matt? Was uh, Matt was really slow going because after he finally decided, okay, you know what, I'm just going to take these binds off. Why can't he just loosen them? Why he did didn't he loosen them? He took them completely off because he trusted her, and she's saying all. I guess again, she's saying all the right things for him, and he really, he really did care for her. But then one of the first things she does is she digs into her shoe, pulls <laughs> out this whistle, and I didn't write down the line that she said, but she pretty much said it was kind of like a supervillain moment, you know, where it's like, I'm about to blow this whistle right now in front of you, and he's two he's two feet away from her, yeah. and he lets her blow the whistle. He doesn't, like, grab it. Yeah, or he smack it. He doesn't smack it out of her hand, doesn't do a thing. He's just like, what? Yeah. And she starts blowing the whistle, and... Which I thought was a little like, like, Matt, what's going on with you? I, I get that you trust her, but she has the whistle that she said she threw out and she says, you're on the wrong, she said more or less, I'm paraphrasing, something like, you're on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. They were right. Well, Nando, channel your 13 year old side, 13 year old boy, okay? Mm-hmm. Try and channel that. Now there's a girl that you might have a little, <laughs> might have a little thing with. Yes. If she all of a sudden changes your gear mm-hmm. and she's not doing what she promised pretty much do for you, how would you react? Your mind is would focused I, on maybe, maybe it's sex, maybe it's not, maybe it's kissing, maybe it's something. And then all of a sudden she's not doing that. 
How, okay, let me. Would you slap a whistle? Out of, would you slap her? I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change this question a little bit. Okay. okay so it. the 13 year old boy or 13 year old girl. Let's. I'm gonna turn it around to you. Okay. And you have a crush on some 13 year old boy. Right. I'm 13 years old. I'm and not, you're 13 years yes. old. You're both 13 years old. You're. You're. Everyone is 13 years old in this scenario. Yes. Okay. So anyway, and a similar situation, right? Except instead of pulling out a whistle, mm-hmm. okay, the 13 year old boy pulls out a gun. And says, I'm about to shoot this gun at you. I would not do you go? It. Do you go, what? And just yes. let them do it? Especially if they had the gun in their shoe, I would. Where would they be hiding this Just item? pretend that they're <laughs> sitting on the gun. I don't know. It just comes out of nowhere. Yes, I would probably so be I, hesitant at first. And then obviously they're too far to be able to stop them. I, I get that you might not want to slap the gun out because it might go <laughs> off anyway. But you would ha- probably have a reaction that would not be like just standing there staring at the person while they shoot you. I would. It would be betrayed. Because I was betrayed and thinking oh, that come I on. had You're a trying chance to be with right. this boy. You're just trying to be right here. Come no, on. Come you on. would not at least run away. I would first be like, what? And then be like, <laughs> and then, then it would be a very, <laughs> It would be a very fast, what? <laughs> like, like, he couldn't even finish a sentence. He'd be like, what? It wouldn't be like, what? That's what Matt did. This was my impersonation okay. of what I think Matt was going, what was going through Matt's mind. When she's pulling out the whistle from her shoe and and holding it in front of him, saying, "They were right. You maybe, guys were wrong. Maybe he thought he was you guys need to be." <laughs> he's thirteen know, years old, Roya. So they don't use. Never mind. He's thirteen years old. They don't think that way. Wait, they, don't well, they, they? Th- no, they think that way. <laughs> but he wasn't thinking like. Whatever. You know what? We're going into, <laughs> you know what? This is a, actually a really good time to segue. All right. We're going to talk more about, uh, about Mira and the whistleblowing. But first, uh, I want to talk to you about an amazing service that Walmart has, uh, that's going on right now. You may have saw, a com- seen a commercial for it on Falling Skies. I, I ended up seeing that as well, but it's really, really awesome. It's the Walmart's, uh, new savings catcher and it's the simple, easy way to save money. Uh, you don't have to drive all over town, you know, looking for the best prices in town when you you, uh, when you're trying to find something at a cheap price, you know, don't you hate it when you go to a store and you buy something and then you find out you could have gotten it cheaper at another store? Well, with Walmart Savings Catcher, all you have to do is if you go to Walmart and you purchase your item, let's say you buy a whistle, just for the sake of argument, and uh, just because we're talking about falling skies here, and you end up uh, buying this and you can go to uh, use the app for the Savings Catcher or on the website, you can enter your Walmart receipt and if any eligible item you purchased, like that whistle, was advertised for a lower price at a top store in your area, Savings Catcher is going to give you a Walmart e-gift card for the price difference. So that's awesome. You can enter your receipt online or you can enter it with the Walmart app and then Savings Catcher really does all the work for you. They just check everything else out. So it's guaranteed for anyone to use it. It's a lot. It's very easy. It's really hassle-free. And you can get your uh, Walmart's everyday load prices. Plus, you can get the best advertised deals in your area even if Walmart's not – selling it at that price at that moment you can get it through savings catcher so uh start savings with savings catcher you can go to walmart.com backslash savings catcher to enter your receipt and now on with some more falling skies okay roya very very talented (laughs) thank you you're very talented roya so uh so anyway so uh so mira pretty much has alerted her uh her special nazi camp friends and the ishvani to come over to the Vom cache. And they, uh, and Cochise has not gotten everything off out of the cache yet. They found some really interesting, uh, I didn't write all the stuff down. Well, they only really talked about that one they item. They got one thing, I feel like. What was that one item that they, t- that Cochise talked about that sounded, oh, they, they can break through a lot of the, the walls, the, the, the firewalls. Right? I can't remember. Let's go with that. Okay. Apologies for that. Well, you know what? Anyway, regardless of that, because that, because Myra actually, um, is it Myra or Mira? It's Mira. Mira. I'm sorry. I said Myra. Because Mira did uh, blow the whistle, the, uh, Cochise and Tom were not able to get everything out of the cache because now they're on alert. They see a beamer coming Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, 
all the Nazi kids in gas masks. masks. Apparently, they knew about this whole area, right. at least being uh, toxic. Maybe when the Beamer flew by, it read those readings, and then well, we can make up whatever we want to make up out of good. it. But uh, I mean, Mira didn't have a, a mask, but everyone else does. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they all start coming. They all start uh, attacking Tom and Anne and everybody uh, over there, and they blow up the Volmcash. So now. Now all of these weapons that looked really, really good uh, a little while ago. Well, the Beamer blew up the the cash. The Beamer did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Beamer blew it up. Excuse me. So now all of these weapons that they were hoping to get to use against the Ishveni and get the Beamer and go up to the moon base, now they don't have them at all. So, you know, just like one minute again. they give it to you and the second minute they just take it away from you. And uh, also they're shooting at everybody and they end up tranquilizing Matt. So... uh God, that bruise that he got on yeah. his neck? Mm-hmm. Man, that looked painful. That was a big old, like, tranquilizer dart. I don't know For what kind of guy. boy, he handled that like a man. He did handle like, well, he's a little, you know, like Weaver said earlier in the episode, that Matt's a real soldier. Mm-hmm. He's going on low rations and helping out, and, you know, he's a strong guy. So he's definitely building himself up. But, uh, but of course, Matt is betrayed. You know, he feels incredibly betrayed by, by Mira. And, uh, and all of a sudden we see, uh, we see team leader mm-hmm. who has a name. Yes. We finally learned his name. Kent Matthews. Kent everybody. Matthews. So Kent Matthews is leading cause he's the team leader. He's leading the troops against Tom and Anne and he has Tom cornered. Uh, he has Tom cornered by a, uh, what is that? Contain, a container? What, what do you call those? Uh, the red shipping. Shipping container. Yeah. Like yeah. those large shipping containers. Just think of Dexter. Yeah. And he's playing this whole like we want peace, kind of like what Lexi says in a way. You know, we want we want this is a peaceful outcome. Just surrender to us, and we'll all be together, and we'll all we'll all work together with the Isveni, mm-hmm. and it's all good. Meanwhile, he's still shooting at Tom, yeah, and Tom's shooting back, of course, and then and then uh, Kent actually realizes that Tom's out of bullets. So instead of instead of saying okay, you're out of bullets, just come on out. No, he decides to set fire. I love that shot. That was such an amazing shot when he kicks the canister over and there's liquid. I was like, oh, great. Yeah. And then he shoots it and the flames just blow up. Oh, that was such a great shot. It was a good shot. Actually, it was a really, really good shot. And, uh, and of course, Tom is trapped. And it just seems apparent that Ken's, Kent's going to shoot him the second he comes mm-hmm. out. So there's really no hope for Tom except for Anne, who decides to practically sacrifice herself, run out uh, out of nowhere and wait. scream and scream out, yeah. As 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 Tom says later on, says, "What a plan, yeah. huh? Really good plan." You just run out and say, "Hey, wait!" Yeah. <laughs> and that's gonna be that's gonna save him, and it actually did save him. Yeah. He wasn't out of bullets. It turns out he no, ended up. Uh, or, or he picked up Anne's gun that oh, was he on picked the ground up, when she got shot. Oh, thank you. He yeah he did some kind of turn thing. I just realized yeah. And, and he and he ends up shooting uh, Kent dead. Yes. And there goes team leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slowly, 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 and he, and of course, team leader talks about uh, talks about getting um, his mom. Yeah, you He's know, turned his turned mom his in. mom. So, which of course, very very sad, very sad. But uh, but of course, this whole relationship with Anne and uh, Tom at this uh, at this point in time. I mean, first they were fighting in the beginning of the episode, and now here she is sacrificing Tom, doing only what she figures Tom would have done. Mm-hmm. If the roles were reversed, sacrificing herself for him, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, and they realize how much they love each other. So of course, you know, they go back to, when they go back home, uh, a little defeated because they don't really have the full um, weapons cache. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go back home and they decide to get married. So Weaver performs a ceremony. You forgot that Weaver saved Matt in the forest. Yes, we were saved Matt in the Matt forest. Matt was going to get taken. Well, Matt was going to get taken, but Matt didn't get taken. Yes. Yeah, because we ever shot one of the kids, and then the kids started going after him, and then Cochise went. Zzzz. Yes. <laughs> God. Yes. Them. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm skipping. I'm glossing over that. No, part. that's cool. I just like the electric. Like I was like, you oh, just oh, want to oh. talk. Well, Cochise that was a funny scene. A- that was a funny scene because I was even like, oh wow, it's perfectly okay to shoot kids like that. I guess <laughs> right. And then there was a line saying, mm-hmm. oh, this 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 weapon just stunned them for a little while, and mm-hmm. I think they did that on purpose. It was like Steven Spielberg saying, you can't just shoot kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's not okay. Notice that none of the kids got shot except for Kent, and Kent is like. 19 years old, mm-hmm. or at least he looks like he's 19 or 20. And, and he, he looks, deserves 
to be shot. And he kind of, well, continue that sentence. I, I don't want to say he deserved to be shot, but he was clearly the, the leader, the, the, I guess the mm-hmm. villain for the episode, him, yeah. and, him and Mira, but you're not going to shoot Mira either. So, and I'm guessing the rest of the kids, they got stunned or. Well, Mira ran into the forest. Well, Mira ran away, but I guess those kids that were stunned, I guess they just left them there. I don't know if they, you know, what are you going to do? You can't really put them in jail or anything. So. Yeah, they don't have anywhere to take them. So I think they just escaped. Yeah, uh, and away. let them and let them. So maybe we'll see Mira again. Uh, I'm sure we might. We might, since Ben seems to have an attraction toward her, and, and there was a you know little talk between Tom and Matt about Mira afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, again, like I said, the name of this, this episode, "Till Death Do Us Part." So, really interesting already to see uh, Matt's love interest come mm-hmm. in this episode. Uh, she, you know, return in this episode and, and to see all of this going on between Tom and Anne, this was definitely a very, for them, they, they haven't had much time to explore the relationship. They've been separated through most of this season and they, and, and then they were dealing with Lexi. So this is the first episode we've really, I think, gotten to see them talking a lot and relating to each other, agreeing or disagreeing. And, and in the end, having these feelings for each other and realizing we, we finally get to get married. Mm-hmm. So really touching. And of course they bring the whistle back that Mira had. No, can't forget that. And we, right. they give that over to Shaq and uh, Shaq in typical, you know, like I'm not really as nice as coach. He's I'm kind of blunt, mm-hmm. just interrupts the whole ceremony in the middle of the ceremony to announce that he figured something out with the whistle. And once they realize that uh, once, once they pay attention to him, he shows that even though he doesn't have the signal that can send the beamer to the moon, he can do enough with the whistle that he can actually wake the beamer up and bring the beamer up uh, past the rubble that they've been struggling with the whole time, this whole episode. I got a question for you about that scene when yeah. uh, Shaq looks over and he sees the wedding. You kind of see this friendly face on him. Do you think that was him actually understanding the human race a little bit more than... He used to kind of like it's weird that with all this chaos going on, there is still love and they can still come together. It's possible. I mean, to be honest, and, and well, you you know this. I mean, sometimes I even get confused in the show. Like if I'm not paying attention, they don't say Shaq do this. I'm like thinking it's Cochise automatically. Yeah. So, I mean, Shaq has in some ways become a little softer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially when you hear him chuckle at the end when uh, Tom goes, what what does this got to do for us? He yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't laugh that hard. I but. think I think I think his laugh was kind of like the IT guy who's like, you know, when when he fixes your computer, you're like, you mean all I have to do is shut it off and it mm-hmm. reset? It's like, <laughs> you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that kind of a laugh, but uh, <laughs> that's the way I looked at it. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I can definitely see um, Shaq having a little bit of an arc where he kind of gets a little bit more um, sentimental toward the humans. He, he starts to understand their side more, get a little softer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cochise is really the guy who is always there for Tom. So Shaq's learning more and more. And I think Shaq's realizing how resilient the humans are, too. Yeah. And I just realized that in this episode, this is the first time we actually see the real whistle. Because Matt never graduated. They always had the plastic red ones. You remember Yeah, that? that's so right. Because the they were using those as practice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. Absolutely. They were using it as practice. So anyway... uh yeah, so that's pretty much the main storyline. So it looks like they have the Beamer out, and and we'll see uh, next week if they end up, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they'll get to the moon with the Beamer. Uh, but let's go over a couple of other relationships, a couple other things that went on, because there, there was definitely some a lot of stuff that was going on back at the home base while uh, Tom and Anne and Weaver were searching uh, at this Volm ca- uh, cache. What's Does the Beamer not have people in it to control it, or was only in Beverly Hills. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could not. No, it, was, it, was, cool. it was a good joke. Uh, <laughs> only in Beverly Hills do they have people in there that actually control it. Uh, they're called chauffeurs. Uh, no, they don't have... I think it's just... Well, you know what? We saw a little bit when Shaq and Dingon were working on that ship that it's it kind of like they said it mimics... So it's uh, literally controlled by the moon, the, the but control people. It is, the but they were talking about those... those uh, the wiring? Those wirings. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, even last week when Tom stuck his hand mm-hmm. in there, it seemed like... It almost seems like... It's a living organism in a way, uh, you know, that, that the ship is geared kind of similar to an, a living organism. So uh, in a way, you're kind of right. But ultimately, it seems to maybe it is a living organism, but just like the humans can be harnessed and just like the skitters can be harnessed, maybe whatever this this um, 
organic life form is, yeah. maybe perhaps it's also harnessed to respond to commands, to respond to electronics. So, uh, we'll see that. But let's talk a little bit, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters in this episode. Okay. Cause again, we, we definitely got to see a couple of other relationships, uh, in this episode for till death do his part and mm-hmm. see the good and the bad of it. Uh, let's start off actually with what I think everyone wants to know more about Maggie. Maggie, <laughs> now that she's kind of like half spiked, half not spiked, whatever it is, she shares her spikes with Ben. Uh, very interesting to see her start to figure out her powers. And, you know, she doesn't want to sit still. She can't sit st- still. Everything's hurting her right now. So she wants to do something. So she's offering to help out with the rubble. And, uh, I guess she doesn't realize right away how strong she is because we see her start to get ready to pull something really, really heavy, uh, out of the debris and she ends up flinging it like mm-hmm. some, you know, like one of those, uh, Gatorade commercials where, where the guy's like throwing a football, like past the length of a football field. Her whole sequence of learning her powers and everything, it reminded me of Superman trying to learn his powers. Clark Kent learning his powers mm. in a way, like if someone were to teach him. It just reminded me of that. Interesting. I could see that. I could totally see that. When he pulls him, oops, so I gotta gotta control that. No, absolutely. You could definitely Mm -hmm. see that. And of course, when, uh, when Maggie does that, she throws this big piece of debris, this heavy piece of debris, and ends up hitting Sarah. And hurting her wrist. It didn't. Or, it just made her fall, and then she hurt her own wrist. She hurt her own wrist, but big baby. Well, it, that was the catalyst for her hurting <laughs> her wrist. But yes, big baby. She has to go to the infirmary. Uh, but meanwhile, Maggie is still trying to figure all of this out, and she seems to have all this energy. And again, she she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't really know what to make of these powers. And luckily, Ben is around. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Hal's like, oh, Ben, help her out. You know, help her try and figure this out. Not realizing that Ben had, like, this really weird, freaky dream about Maggie a couple of weeks ago. And he has these feelings for her. And even though he's there as a friend, he's still, you know, thinking other thoughts, perhaps. I wonder if Hal would have changed his mind if he knew that Ben was making out with uh, Karen when Karen was held hostage, even though she was controlled and harnessed. I wonder if his perspective would have been a little bit different well, if he knew that there was kind of feelings cons- between harness kids. Well, perhaps, but you know what? Considering they were all harnessed, and and we, Karen wasn't not in her own in her own. But she mind. was claiming she was. So yeah, but she know. wasn't. Well, you know what? They broke up, and she tried <laughs> to kill his whole family. So I think Tom really, in the end of the day, I think Tom has other issues to worry about. Has Hal? other issues with Karen than oh my god, you kissed my brother. You mean Hal? That's it. Did Is I say? it Tom? <laughs> I meant Hal. Hal has other issues with uh, with uh, Karen, other than that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so you know, Ben starts showing. I love this. Ben starts showing. It, it, in a way, it was kind of like Superman, like that jump that they did. It wasn't really a jump. It was like a jump down, right? But a, a very long distance that she jumped down. I think anybody else jumps down that far, and they're going to break a leg. Uh, they just jump down. Now. It, it kind of reminded me of Portal. The oh, video yeah. game, because you can, like, jump long distances, <laughs> or you can keep falling, and you always land okay. Well, his line of tour, do you trust me? That's what I was waiting for him to say. Even though he says, trust me, yeah. it reminds me of Aladdin. Like, let's go on a carpet ride well, together. that's kind of <laughs> like a Superman or a Spider-Man yeah. line when he's got when he's got his girlfriend. You know, he's got yeah. Mary Jane, or when, when Superman has uh, Lois Lane. Um, you know, and he's like, just trust me. And they start mm-hmm. going for this jump. But so it was very... Between those relationships, there's always love between the two. So the trust me line well, was a loaded question. There's okay? love There's love with Ben. And and we don't know for sure what's going on with Maggie at this point. We see that she definitely has a friendship with Ben that she, she trusts. And we've seen her fighting with Hal. But I think, I think part of what makes this relationship interesting is seeing the possibility of her relating to Ben more than Hal. And now that she shares spikes with Ben... Even more so, as we get to see, because mm-hmm. when uh, Ben starts to share some information, he starts to feel sad. We see the harness. Uh, we see the spikes. Actually, not the harness. We see the spikes start lighting up from from both of them, which is very very interesting. So we see that, and and Maggie says she feels his sadness. Mm-hmm. So they definitely share. It's almost like they share a mind in a way but through the alien that. DNA. But hmm. we already knew that from the relationship with Pen Pen Ben and Karen. We no, knew that. We knew that. But there's but, a connection. Well, we knew that. But at the same time, I mean, 
at the same time, considering the way that this this is the spikes that come from one person in particular, mm-hmm. I think it, who knows? Maybe it's stronger. It definitely it, it definitely something worth noting, even if if we recognize that from before. I mean, there are a lot of similarities, as if she got harnessed. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities. Absolutely, I agree with that. So anyway, I, I love that she. Um, in fact, I love after they do their little jump, their little excursion, and they jump. She she says. I'm going to need to jump a lot more often. I'm going to need to jump a lot. And and Ben's like, well, we can jump together. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like there was some kind of little innuendo uh, in, in that whole line. It was kind of cracked me up. Well, we can jump together. Even when he goes, you feel love. Yeah. And much more excitement, he, ecstatic. He's definitely playing. He's definitely playing with those lines and throwing little little hints. hints. Like I, I like you a lot. Yeah. Oh, he's absolutely throwing little hints out there. Yeah. So uh, in my mind, I know. And then and then they have that little nighttime, uh, that nighttime nighttime like weapons lesson. Well, like yeah. Tomb Raider. Like talk about video games. This is literally you playing a video game with auto. <laughs> aim and you're just hitting every target well this is what i I have to admit this is what i love about uh maggie right now because maggie is a badass Mm -hmm. and if she was a badass before she got these powers now she has these powers and once she embraces them Mm -hmm. and, and according to them you know the alien dna is starting to accept her body it started to accept her so she feels more comfortable with it now but now that she accepts this for what it is She's she can be so much more badass with her guns. We saw like she was just shooting that that can. And it just yep, stayed up in the air. Them. She wasn't even looking at things as she was shooting them. She and she can run faster. She can jump higher. She's like a Jedi with guns. She's like mm-hmm. she's like she's like Luke Skywalker or she, let's say like Obi Wan Kenobi and Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You know, mixed together. You know, she's got she's got the super strength, not the force powers, but she's got the super strength. But she, you know, but Jedi's don't use guns, so she's got like the skills of like let's say Han Solo. But uh, but again, I'm really psyched to see what Maggie can do with these powers in the future. You mean the powers that she's mm, bad? Mm, well, that <laughs> that's I think that's more Ben's power. I think what happens, mm. I think since they kind of share emotions together, when Ben gets horny, she feels <laughs> yeah. it. So Ben got really, really turned. Well, yep. Ben got really, really turned on from uh, from yep. seeing uh, Maggie do, doing all that. And I have to admit, I kind of got turned on from Maggie doing all that too. I mean, it's Sarah Carter. What can you what can you expect? So, uh, but I I don't have spikes that I share with her. So Ben does right when he, she goes. I can feel your sadness. I'm like, honey, you're gonna feel a lot more than that in a minute. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your distance, ever. But you. pretty much, yeah. I mean, he he says. Uh, I can't remember the exact line, but it was a really awesome line. Oh, um, oh, I lost it, but I did have that line somewhere. Was it with him and Hal, or was it? No, no, with with okay. him before Hal spotted them kissing. Before they kissed, actually, um, he, Ben said something, uh, and I can't remember what it is. And I thought I wrote it down in my notes somewhere, but I can't find it. But anyway, and then all of a sudden, she makes this big move toward Ben, like this really super aggressive kiss. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There was but a line. I can't remember if there was a line, but Matt said a line like how like hot it was. <laughs> like how hot it was. Yeah. Something like that. Like that was hot. Yeah. And all of a sudden the the spikes light up and next mm-hmm. thing you know she's making a beeline for him and she's totally making out with him and next thing and you even said it before it happened. You're like, Hal's here. Hal's watching. <laughs> Hal's somewhere nearby. Yep. And of course we we see the shot of Hal seeing the kiss. Mm-hmm. And then of course Hal storms off, which means it's very cliche in a way. So Hal storms off, and then Maggie's like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I love Hal. I'm right? like, I can't kiss you, even though I'm incredibly drawn to you, whether mm-hmm. it's my own emotions or it's the spikes telling me that. But I'm very she doesn't say that much. I'm just I'm just adding that. No, that's true though, because that Ben's like, wait, you didn't feel this way before? Yeah. No, not at all. Oh, and that, that's what made Ben feel butthurt and, about the whole situation. And of course, Ben felt butthurt. And when she said she was really drawn, you know, she really was drawn to him and was about to kiss him again, Ben did the honorable thing and said, no, don't. 
because it's not it's not you talking, it's the spikes apparently. Right. So he actually, you know, give Ben a little bit of kudos. He could have totally just kept going, "Come on, spikes, keep yeah. working. Come on, spikes. Come on, spikes. I'm going to get lucky tonight." Uh but no, he, the spikes I are lighting see up. That. The I spikes mean, are lighting but... up and he's like, "Yeah, I don't think I want to see that." Um the Be spikes powerful. are <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, Roya. The, uh, the spikes are lighting up and uh, and Ben's like, "Nope." He's like pretty much like thinking baseball or something, you know. He's like, "I'm gonna think baseball, baseball. I'm not attracted to this girl. I'm not attracted. You can't kiss me." Okay, sorry. I'm not gonna go there with it. Don't go there with it. I already, I already know what you're gonna say. Don't go there with it. But, uh, but of course, Hal doesn't see this whole thing. So Hal ends up asking Ben a little bit later on, like, "You, you heal super fast now, right?" And yeah. Ben's like, "Sure." And then he gives him a good cold cock. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right across the face. And, uh, and, and that actually is a word. <laughs> I just want to say. Oh, okay. That is a real word. You uh, said it very well. I wasn't going to question okay, it. Okay, so cool. I just, I just want to make sure people know that. Uh, this is a PG, this is baseball. a PG show. Baseball. I'm thinking about baseball right thinking now. Thinking about baseball. <laughs> thinking about baseball. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, so pretty much, uh, Hal tells Ben, keep away from my woman. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what? Look, I, I love the fact that Ben, uh, and Hal are, are having this conversation and that Hal is fighting for his girlfriend, that, uh, that Maggie, now that she's confronted with Ben, with this knowledge that yeah. Ben was attracted to her and having this shared, uh, alien inside her that, that she shares with Ben. I, I, I like the fact that now, They've rededicated themselves, and Hal and Maggie are like, "No, we love. I love Hal, or I love right. Maggie." So they're going to hopefully make it work out. And Ben, unfortunately, wah, wah, <laughs> Ben just kind of on the side, like what? Charlie Brown. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. But what I really liked about that, I agree with you one hundred percent. I also like the fact that they're bringing in the brother relationship again. Yeah, they're bringing their conflict. If you had, a, I don't know, do you have a brother? I do. Okay, if you two were trying to hit on the same girl, it'd be a little brother conflict, and I like that real, real life situation. Yeah, like, yeah there's aliens attack, but hey, you're my brother. Don't touch my girl. <laughs> and then I loved Ben's line. I'm sorry, I didn't see your leash on her. Yeah, that Burn. was a that was a pretty big line, I think too. And and it, and it kind of shows. I think when Ben said that, it kind of shows. Well, it says two things. It's Ben saying Maggie's her own person. She's not your property. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I, as a woman, I like that. That yeah. Ben stood up for her in that sense. Because yeah. I'm sure Maggie would have punched him right in the face, too. And to me, it also says this triangle is not over. Not by a long shot. That there still is, you know, in a way, even though Hal is fighting for uh, for Maggie in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that Hal is kind of like almost, I don't think he specifically says it, but he's kind of referring as her property. Yeah. Yeah, that there's that, that over there. <laughs> so anyway, I, I believe we're running a little bit close to time. So let me just talk really quickly about the one other relationship. Uh, it, it's going to be really quick. Yeah. Uh, Pope and Sarah. So, uh, which is very interesting. I think the only thing we really need to know, uh, well, first of all, it, it seems interesting. Pope, Pope all of a sudden really cares about Sarah. Pope, who's such a like well, he criminal, cared last he cared for her last week, but actually cared about her being an addict, and and he seemed to be like, I don't want to be around an addict, you know. I, I it seemed to really trigger something from him in his personal life. Yeah, like he's experienced it before. Yeah, that someone's used him that was an addict, which is very get... unpope like, right. in my opinion. I, I at first I was like, I don't care about Pope and Sarah's relationship in this episode. Yeah. I just thought there was too much going on mm-hmm. that whatever minor detail. Oh, I'm going to be going back on drugs was not very important to the storyline. Yeah. But then when Pope confronted her, mm-hmm. I thought that brought me back into their relationship because yeah. he goes, I don't want to get hurt again, basically. And she goes, well, you should have looked. It's just Advil. Well, Aspirin. I love that line. The line before she says the Advil, I, I circled that one, is uh, you're afraid of what we might be. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you you know, she said that the Vicodin that, that was labeled on the um, uh, on the bottle that she had was actually Aspirin. And you actually have to look to see what's inside, mm-hmm. which of course was also uh, a message about looking inside her and not just uh, yeah. labeling her as an addict without knowing the real story or really going deep inside uh, to try and figure her out. Right. So uh, Sarah pretty much ends up leaving, uh, says a little story, ends up leaving town. So uh, I'm sure Pope's going to most like, well, you know what? I'm not going to say that yet. Let's save it for predictions because we're about that point right now where we're going to talk about predictions. And now you're after Buzz. Okay, and hopefully I didn't leave anything out. I think we covered just about everything in detail. But uh, but anyway, so Roya, what do you think uh, as far as anything at all, not just about Pope and Sarah, 
because uh, I think it's pretty obvious Pope's going to go after Sarah uh, for the season fin- for one of the two season mm-hmm. finales that we're seeing next week. But what else do you think is going to happen? I honestly, I don't want this to happen, but I feel something really bad is going to happen to Hal. It's okay. going to be at a point where either Hal or Ben, one of them's got to go because they're in a love triangle with Maggie. Someone has got to take care of Maggie when one of them's got to go. Okay. So either one gets abducted or killed or mm-hmm. whatever it is, there's something where they're both not going to be able to be there together in the final season. Okay. But I also think Lexi's going to co- obviously come back into next week. Mm-hmm. She's going to either be on, I don't know, I have like two different things. She's either going to be on the moon training. Yeah. Or while everyone is going up to the moon, she's going to be down on Earth and she's going to run into Pope and Sarah. Mm. And then that's when Pope's relationship for standing up for her will be tested for Sarah. Okay. Um, I don't, is there anybody else that's. Well, let me ask you this because it is a season finale next week. I mean, it's two episodes. But uh, it is a season finale. So do you think – we saw a couple of deaths mm-hmm. two weeks ago uh, in Qatar and Lourdes. Do you think that everyone is safe or no. do you think there will be another death? There's going to be at least two more deaths. You think there will be two more deaths? Yes. Who do you think? I'm not, I be? don't want it to be Hal. I'm thinking it might be Hal. Really? And Drew Roy, coaches. not working next year. No. Is that what you're saying? No. He'll come back in memories or something. <laughs> I don't know. And coaches. Yeah, there's some. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Dang, I don't know. I kind of like the idea. Someone's die because of the red shirt thing. <laughs> I, well, you know what? I'll, I'll say I'll say this. I'll say, um, well, Pope's going after Sarah. We know that. Something, you know, Sarah will probably be in danger in some kind of way. Pope will save her. But I think, I think Sarah's probably... I, I just feel like, and I, I hate to say this just because it's Mira Sorvino. She's an amazing actress and I love mm-hmm. her work, but I just don't think she's a, a series regular. So I don't think she's going to be around much longer. I haven't really looked to see or read news on it, but I could see her possibly dying. So Pope's going to get another heartbreak. Pope's going to get a heartbreak, but I hope, I hope that this will probably change Pope's direction a little bit and maybe okay. Pope, because we talk about how Pope's not Pope's kind of likable, but not 100% like. He's kind he's of Han Solo. Likeable. He's not that likable. He's not that mm. likable. But I also see someone else dying. Maybe Cochise actually, it would be interesting, but I think, someone I think Cochise, right? but I think Cochise is not as expendable as Shaq. And Shaq is kind of getting a little softer. One of them, right? <laughs> so I think Shaq would go out okay. of the two. So, um, I definitely agree with that. Anyway, so, uh, Roya, where can we find you usually during the week? Well, guys, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HeyRoya, that's H-E-Y-R-O-Y-A, and I'm also on the Outlander uh, podcast, so check that out. Awesome. Nando, where can we find you? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Nandovel, N-A-N-D-O-V-E-L. You can also find me here at AfterBuzz for uh, Defiance this summer, and then, of course, with fall coming, we'll be bu- doing a bunch of new shows. Uh, I'll be on a couple of them. Just a few. Just but they're like, they're like 50 AfterBuzz shows that like, are playing Cameron. during a week. <laughs> so, and, and by the way, I don't, I, I haven't brought this up, but please uh, go on iTunes and rate us and write to us and on YouTube as well. We'd love to read your comments. We'd love to find out. And rating the show also helps us out and helps us get guests or Mm -hmm. helps us in many ways. So uh, till next week for the season finale where you may or may not see me (laughs) uh, on behalf of myself and Phil's VTech, who you can reach on AfterBuzz TV uh, on Twitter and Roya. Uh, Thanks a lot for tuning in and I'll see we'll see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. This after show is brought to you by Walmart's Savings Catcher. Walmart's new Savings Catcher is the simple and easy way to save. Just go to walmart.com slash savings catcher to enter your receipt.